The interviews and discussions in this podcast are opinions only and not financial or investment advice. Listeners should obtain independent advice based on their own circumstances before making any financial decisions. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, is sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, a leading Australian corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Focused on your vision, Barclay Pierce specialises in making it a successful reality. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison. Now, today we're looking at Senatus, which is essentially a tech company which owns the software tools to protect against malware and ransomware attacks. Now, Senatus is an ASX-listed company. The code, the ASX sticker code is SEN. Market cap, at the time of recording, close to 50 million Australian dollars. Now, CEO Andrew Wilson is joining us now. Andrew, good to chat again. Yeah, likewise, Oriel, and hello, everybody. Well, it's a, it's a good time of year, isn't it? I mean, surely you're just about to head off on a break, Andrew. It's been a huge year for you guys. Well, it has. It's been a bit of a crazy two years for us, but um, certainly a, a lot's happened. It's been good for the company. Actually, it's been more than, much more than two years. <laughs> I know, it's been a bit of a blur. <laughs> Maybe closer to 16, would that be right? Oh, well, 20 for yeah, me. 20 years. Yes, I know. It's a lifetime. What a, what a journey you've been on with the company. Um, it all. How, so t- tell me, 20 years, how and why have you stuck the path for that long? Oh, look, I love the company. I love the people we work with. I believe in our mission, you know, bringing best of breed cybersecurity solutions to to market government and um, commercial customers to to protect them from all things nasty and cyber. You, you've been through, you know, if we look at back over, if we look 20 years sitting at around, what, 2000, 2001? I joined in 2000. In January 2000, I signed the contract to uh, work for Senatas as an analyst commercial manager. Um, I was in London at the time, signed the contract. It was in the middle of the dot-com boom. By the time I made my way back from London, the dot-com crash had occurred. So there was a lot of work to do at Sanitas to reposition the company into what we are today. Yeah, a huge amount. And so much has changed over that period of time as well, hasn't it? I mean, within the innovation and the technology that we've seen and, you know, the education that we have as consumers, let alone those who are actually trying to do to, to do negative. Well, back then, cybersecurity wasn't even a word. No, <laughs> no. And when you look at the numbers now, you know, you and I have discussed this um, just a few months ago. Every eight minutes from every 10 minutes just a year ago that incidences are essentially increasing exponentially. It's a massive problem. Massive problem and they're getting worse and the damage that they create is just becoming more severe. Uh, so it really is, you know, a worldwide problem that's only growing. So... What's the impact been then of COVID? Um, a lot of which, of course, when it comes to increasing cyber attacks, a lot of them, a lot of this, and correct me if I'm wrong, is really stemmed from working from home. That whole move working to working from home and the fact that companies aren't necessarily set up for remote work to enable the businesses to continue running. Oh, look, I, I think that's, that's part of it. The migration to remote working has probably opened up other attack surfaces. But I also think that it's very, very lucrative business um, for organisations, criminal organisations conducting hacks remotely. Um, uh, So it's a very lucrative, attractive business opportunity for them. And that's just growing um, as well as a result of that opportunity. So can you put a number on it? I mean, that's a fairly difficult question, I know. But can you put a number on, on how much of the increase has been from the work from home? 
Oh, it's a bit hard to estimate that, um, to be honest, but uh, if I'm going to guess, 30% increase purely because of uh, organisations having to migrate to work from home environment and during the course of that you know, migration, there are security flaws and weaknesses that are exposed that otherwise wouldn't be exposed at the edge. So there are many that are now expecting the work from home to continue, even as, um, you know, sort of the roller coaster of the COVID-19 virus and the impacts on borders and, and so forth continues far from over. Um, but as things start to, if you can call it normalise, then we'll say normalise, um, means that work from home is expected to continue in, in some way, shape or form, which does mean that cybersecurity should remain a key focus, which is, of course, good for you, good for your business. Well, it's good It's good for the business, um, you know, and I think it's good for, you know, organisations um, generally to be focused on cybersecurity. It's not just the work from home um, issue that uh, has resulted in increasing cybersecurity threats. I mean, I think the fact that you can use cryptocurrency to... Um, to, to transport funds cross border without um, you know the without easily being traced is another aspect that has really increased um, the ability for you know lucrative cybersecurity hacks and um, ran- particularly ha- ransomware hacks to be perpetrated. So that's an interesting spin on it too, not just the um, remote working. What's the industries that are most at risk here? Um, as we stand today, Andrew? I think it's every every single industry. Every single industry deals with um, digital data, right, which is the lifeblood of their business. In the case of a ransomware attack, it could be a logistics company, it could be uh, a construction company, it could be a, a technology company, all dealing with digital assets. And if if those digital ad- assets are stolen or, or hacked or compromised, then that business ultimately suffers. So it's every single industry you can think of. You, you, you started off when we started our conversation saying it's getting much worse. Um, these sort of attacks are getting more frequent. The attacks are getting more sophisticated, I would imagine, and they're getting worse. How concerned as consumers should we be of attacks on things like our banks, our financial institutions, our critical infrastructure pr- providers? Look, I think the banks are pretty well positioned, um, to be honest. They've got significant security teams that are focused on mitigating the risk um, in these financial institutions and they're doing a pretty good job. So I wouldn't be as worried about financial institutions, but certainly critical infrastructure is a focus that the government has been taking now over the past couple of years, recognising that there's work to do in that sector. So obviously energy grids, disruption of energy grids, um, disruption of water supplies, disruption of food um, supply chains, are all national security issues that could affect the consumer um, and the economy in in terrible ways. So I've noticed an increasing focus on critical infrastructure and cybersecurity surrounding that. You know, you've talked about the fact that pretty much every and any industry is at risk. There's there's not one, you know, that's going to be attacked over the other because it is all about data. On the other side of the coin, though, are there industries or industry groups that are just slow to embrace change when it comes to cybersecurity? Oh, I mean, I wouldn't single any particular industry out, but I will say that um, maybe with the exception of the financial industry, there's still a lot of work to do to improve the posture of, um, you know, these other industries. Healthcare is is a concern potentially, um, as I mentioned, critical infrastructure, running legacy technologies and old technologies. It's also um, having having staff with the appropriate skill sets. 
because there are skill shortages in the area of cybersecurity at the moment, which will take years to uh, to address and can be and needs to be addressed with the support of government and educational institutions. So um, there's still a lot of work to do um, to improve the sort of um, the maturity of organisation cybersecurity. So is, is the government doing enough as we stand right now? I mean, what does the government need to do to further secure Australia? Well, I think support um, further education training programs so that there are qualified cybersecurity professionals and that there are enough of them. Um, that's certainly one thing. I, I think uh, the government has embarked on sort of public awareness um, strategies, which is a good thing, making sure that you and I are thinking about cybersecurity in our daily lives. Um, so, I mean, I think the government's working on it. and There's all, always more work to do. Andrew, talk to us a little bit about what you're doing at Senatus. Um, some exciting deals happening at the moment. Um, I know you're looking specifically into the US market, also into Singapore. What's happening there? So, although Senatus consists of two businesses. Firstly, the traditional Senatus hardware encryption business, which we have been working on and developing and growing over the past 20 years and you know, we've sold our, that particular technology to organisations such as the US Department of Defence, um, Goldman Sachs, Microsoft, Salesforce, you know, to, to organisations like that in 65 countries around the world through a global distribution contract with Talus, um, who's been our 20-year partner in this space. And that's a great business. And we've grown that revenue to about 20 million. It's been a bit flat on that side of the business over the past three years. But having built up a significant cash reserve. We invested in a um, cybersecurity company that was originally based in Israel um, in 2018. And this uh, company developed some really interesting technology that was specifically engineered to prevent malware and ransomware attacks where that malware and ransomware is embedded in documents. Um, Having invested in that company, uh, which had achieved a bit of success in Japan, um, we worked with that company to redefine its strategy, restructure the, um, the the company, its board, its management team, and help it establish a beachhead in the United States, which has actually gone really well for us, despite the interruption of COVID. And now we're generating from that business where they were selling nothing into the US, now 50% of their revenues are generated by companies in the US, which is a massive milestone. It's very difficult to... Um, to, to break into the US market as a small company. But Vertero has done ex- exactly that. <clears throat> and we've built up sort of some flagship customers over there, some household names, which is really impressive. You know, organisations like New York Times use our product. So um, I won't mention too many customer names because they don't like mentioning customer names too much. But also, you know, um, not just in the US, but more recently we want to, significant deal with a Singaporean government department um, that's deployed Vatero's solution to protect uh, the organisation from ransomware that may be downloaded by its employees from the web. And that um, that was the biggest deal in Vatero's history of $1 million per annum over the next three years. So $3 million annual recurring revenue deal, which is, um, which is just fantastic. Um, with a growing pipeline in, in the United States and other parts of the world. We think it's got a very bright future. Um, and at Senatus, you know, around about $50 million, I don't think the value of Vatero is reflected in our share price. Um, not wanting to, you know, make an estimate of what the share price should be. That's not my job. 
but um, I am talking to the investor community and, and institutions about this new valuable asset that's, um, that we've grown and creating Vitero in addition to our traditional harbour encryption business as well. So given that, that you've just um, discussed when it comes to the share price and the valuation of the company, is there any need anywhere in your, the near future, Andrew, for a capital raise, any kind of uh, capital raise? Oh, that's something that the board's always looking at and what our capital requirements are um, out uh, for the next year and, and, and beyond. Obviously, you know, there is some investment that is required in order to grow the sales team, marketing team, and expand the um, engineering team at uh, at Batero, so you know that that's possible. But at the moment, we're not we're not definite on any capital raising plans at the moment. Okay, n- nothing necessarily in the in the pipeline. Um, now, what's competition like in, in that space at the moment? Um, there's some big names coming in from overseas into Australia. Look, you know, this solution is 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 a pretty unique solution that doesn't have a lot of competition. It sits in the space of antivirus and um, sandboxing technologies that aren't particularly effective at preventing ransomware attacks. And, and this is why we're seeing so many ransomware attacks around the world at the moment. Um, so this, this technology is fairly unique, doesn't have a lot of competitors. So when we you know, respond to a tender, when we're in a competitive situation, there's only two or three organisations that are chosen um, in this space that we have to compete against. So... It's complementary to other cybersecurity solutions that a large enterprise might have already deployed um, that might have been produced by some of these large companies you're talking about. Now, you've said publicly before, Andrew, that um, there is a, that our biggest threat looking out there in, in the future, a looming threat is quantum computing. So you've got an immediate threat now, ransomware, which is something that you're solving for right now with your current product. What about this looming threat of quantum computing. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to Senatus? So uh, Senatus embeds a, you know, a, a well-known algorithm called AES-256. Once a quantum computer reaches a sufficient power, now there's debate on when, when that might occur. It could be five years, it could be 10 years, um, but I think everybody agrees that eventually it will, will happen. Once that computer of sufficient power is available, it will be able to crack that AES-256 algorithm. Therefore, um, anything encrypted using that algorithm will be at risk. Um, and we use that, that algorithm in our daily lives, not just in the Senatas product, but in transactions that you might undertake with the bank. Um, and a- anything you can think of is used uses that AES-256 encryption algorithm. So what we're doing at Senatas is migrating the encryption algorithms over time towards quantum-resistant algorithms that will be resistant to a quantum computing attack. So we'll be able to upgrade the devices our customers have purchased from us to run algorithms that are quantum-safe. So that is an effort they've been working on for the past couple of years, and we're well-positioned to make sure that our customers that use our product are safe in a post-quantum era. So that product is actually ready now. Customers are using that as we speak. Customers aren't using it yet. They can they can trial the use of um, quantum resistant algorithms. Um, these quantum resistant algorithms are specified at the moment by NIST, and there's seven candidate algorithms that are still being tested. Eventually, once NIST, which is a stand, security standards body out of the United States, defines a particular one, there will be one. Our customers will be able to use that then. 
But what we're seeing is customers now wanting to understand what the performance you know, impact is of using these different algorithms to educate themselves. So at the moment, it's we're in the education phase, the preparation phase for a post-quantum um, environment, but customers aren't yet migrating towards a quantum-resistant algorithm because it hasn't yet been the final one hasn't yet been chosen. So that's something that we need to be aware of later on down the track. So, Andrew, what is the most exciting thing that we can expect to see from senators over the course of the next 12 months? I mean, COVID obviously hasn't gone away, so you're still dealing with all of that. And the fact that uh, these ransomware attacks and other kinds of uh, attacks are actually on the increase. What can we expect from senators? What's the outlook? So, I mean, the outlook is pretty exciting as far as I'm concerned for growth opportunities that Patero provide uh, the company further expansion into the US, growing those sort of um, household name customers in the United States, branching out into Europe through some um, channel partner relationships that we're working on developing. Um, And also, you know, gaining customers in Australia, and we're talking to a financial institution at the moment in relation to Vitero. So, for me, that's a really exciting growth opportunity and um, and that's the story I'm telling at the moment. All right. Um, Andrew, we really appreciate your time today. It's been wonderful to have the chance to have another conversation and I do look forward to catching up again in the first quarter of next year and seeing seeing how you're going and, and what sort of progress has been made. Great, Oriel. Thanks very much for your time and Merry Christmas, everybody. Yes, absolutely. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Um, to all of our listeners, thanks so much for being with us today. We'll see you next time for a next Stock Insiders podcast. I'm Oriel Morris. This episode of the Stock Insiders podcast with me, Oriel Morrison, was sponsored by Barclay Pierce Capital, Australia's leading corporate advisory and equities trading firm. Barclay Pierce Capital provides specialised corporate advisory and equities trading services to privately owned businesses, small to medium-sized public and ASX-listed companies.